Well, with what you just sang in mind, we're going to start with a little bit of a Bible memory drill here this morning. How many of you, someplace along the way, have memorized Romans 3, verse 23? Okay, wonderful. What's it say? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Very uh, well-known verse, very important verse. It's one of the first to be included in, in most Bible memory programs. If you've ever shared the gospel with somebody, and uh, I hope that you have, uh, chances are that you most likely directed the attention of the person with whom you were sharing to Romans 3.23. It's hard to really prepare somebody for the gospel until you help to show them that they are sinners. Before you can give them the good news, you've got to give them the, the bad news. The content of this verse is simple, clear, and rather disturbing to contemplate. In the eyes of God, we're all sinners. We've all come short of what His standard is. But I have great news for you this morning. Romans 3 doesn't end with verse 23. The Bible doesn't end with verse 23. The book of Romans doesn't end with verse 23. In fact, right on the heels of Romans 3.23, we got Romans 3.24 where it says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then continues on, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. These verses tell us of God's plan for justifying sinners. And we all need to be justified. And these verses, along with verse 26 in Romans chapter 3, there are four key words with which you and I should be familiar if we are, are going to properly appreciate just how great the salvation is that God gives to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to have these highlighted in various colors. We don't always make to do that, but uh, these are four words you ought to know about. You ought to know about justification or being justified. You ought to know about redemption what it means to be redeemed. If you're a Christian, you need to know about what propitiation is. That's a long word. We ought to know what it means. It's a very important term. And then we ought to be familiar with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also we find described in these verses, really through these other terms, the grace of God that brings us salvation. So first of all, we find as we, we go through this passage of Scripture, we find that there are three main truths that, that about justification. That's the key thing we're going to zero in here to begin with this morning. This matter of justification, three main terms. First of all, sinners who can experience justification. And as we saw in verse 23, all men need to be justified. All men need to be made right with God because all have missed the mark. All have continually fall short uh, of what God's standard is. 
And in fact, uh, when we talk about missing the mark, it's like shooting at a target, and you try to hit it, shooting an arrow at a target, and, and, or a gun at a target, and, and you miss it. Well, we, we strive to meet God's standard, and we don't make it, and we, we fall short. It's kind of like if I were to uh, stand here, and my goal is to jump up and touch that speaker. Where is it at? The speaker up there. And Brad, would you come up here just a second, please? We're going to have a little contest here this morning. No, I don't need your help. We're in competition this morning. Okay, first of all, I'm going to jump, okay, and see how close I come. How was that? Okay, Brad. Whoa. Who got higher? Brad got higher? He only got that far off the ground. That means I only got that far off the ground. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate your help. The problem is, he got a little higher off the ground than I did. But what happened? He fell miserably short. We both did. And that's what it's like when we try to think we're going to justify ourselves or make ourselves right in God's eyes. We continually fall short. Somebody may do a little better than somebody else, but they still, boy, my knees hurt now. (laughs) But they continually fall short of what God's standard is. That's why none of us should ever have any self-righteous thoughts in our minds at all because we fall so miserably short of what the standard is. The standard is the glory of God. And basically the glory of God has to do with his, His approval and pleasing Him. And we cannot, we can't do that on our own. But to justify means to pronounce right in God's eyes. And not only to pronounce us that, but to treat us as right. To treat us as righteous. It's more than being forgiven. It's more than being pardoned. To be justified means God treats us as if we have not committed one sin. God treats us as if we are as righteous as His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, that is the only reason any of us can expect to enter heaven. is because we have this kind of righteousness. Not righteousness that we've achieved, but a righteousness that God gives to us in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing that is to think about. The, the term justify or justification or right, or righteous, or righteousness, all come from the same Greek word. And when we find those terms used over 60 times in the book of Romans, the book of Romans is all about righteousness. The book of Romans is all about being right in the eyes of God. And the great news this morning is, although we all sin and we all continually fall short of God's standard, we can be justified freely. We can be made made right with God. That's what justification is, to be pronounced righteous, and even more than that, to be treated as righteous by God so that we can enter glory. We all have need of righteousness. We've all missed the mark. We all continually fall short. The good news is God has provided righteousness. Sinners can be justified. And the great statement here is it says in verse 24, we can be justified How? 
freely, justified freely by his grace, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our justification costs us what? Nothing. Nothing. That word freely is an interesting term. It's used in a number of different places in the New Testament. In John chapter 15 and, and verse 25, it speaks about the Lord Jesus, and it says that he was hated without a cause. It's the same Greek term. In other words, you could say he was hated freely, but he was hated without a cause. There was no reason for it. There was no reason for people to, to hate Jesus Christ when he was on the earth. No reason. And there's no reason in us that God should declare us righteous. There's no reason in you and me that we should be made right in the eyes of God. We don't deserve it. The term uh, freely also is used over in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul is telling people that he, he, never, he never ate men's bread for nothing. In other words, he, he paid his way. He wasn't just a, a freeloader when he came to Thessalonica to minister there. He, he, he paid the cost. But here we find when it, when it talks about freely, we didn't have to pay any cost. There's no reason God should justify us, and God doesn't justify us because of anything that we have paid, any price that we have paid. Our justification, our being declared righteous, is something that God freely does for us. So what a great thing that is. We find that our, our justification didn't cost us anything, but it cost God a great deal. Our justification, our salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It costs God a, a great deal. In fact, we read in this passage of Scripture, it says that we've been justified freely by His grace, given God's riches, Christ's riches that are at, at Christ's expense. God riches at Christ's expense. We find that this justification is, is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. We find 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus took on spiritual poverty. He became needy in the eyes of the Father. He took our sin upon himself and died there on Calvary's cross in, in our place. And we're made rich because Jesus paid the price of our redemption. Our justification is based upon God's grace. It cost God a great deal, and we can thank God for it. Along those lines, we also see, in addition to the fact that sinners can be justified, we see who the Savior of justification is. And here's it stands in verse 24. We're justified freely by His grace. How? Through the redemption that is in whom? In the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a Savior who makes it possible for us to be justified. He also offers to us redemption. That's the second key term, redemption. We have a redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption involves the paying of a price. And in this case, it's the blood 
of Jesus Christ. This term redemption is used in, in the, uh, the matter sometimes of, of ransoming back a person that's been kidnapped or somebody that's been taken prisoner. You pay a ransom and then they are released. You pay a price and then they are given their, their freedom, they're released. The other way we find this word redemption used is in the slave market where sometimes someone would pay a price to buy a slave and then sometimes they would set those slaves free. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. You and I were in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to the penalty and the power of sin in our life. And Christ paid a price so that we could be set free. You know the price that he paid? He paid the price that that you and I would have had to, to pay for all of eternity in order to pay the debt that we owe. You and I could only pay the debt of our sin by spending all of eternity separated from God in hell. But Christ paid that price when he died on Calvary's cross and there shed his blood in, in our behalf. And so we find that redemption involves a, a buying back where you get a prisoner set free. Redemption involves setting free. And Christ did that for us, and he did it by shedding his blood in our behalf. We find also stated in verse 25 in this idea of payment of a price that Jesus is called here the propitiation for our sin. Now, you, you, you probably don't have too much trouble hanging on to justification. You probably don't have a whole lot of trouble hanging on to redemption. Th- those words, you pretty much know what they mean. You can hang on to them, being justified, being redeemed. Propitiation is a little longer. Man, I can't, I can't learn a word that long. I, I can't hang on to a word. That, well, well, you should. And, and really, it's not that... It's not that difficult. And we find that the term propitiation is speaking about a reason not to execute judgment. A reason not to execute judgment because of appeasing or satisfying something. In our situation, it is satisfying the wrath of God. We saw Romans 3.23, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us that the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us the, sin, the, the soul that sins, it shall die. The Bible speaks to us about the reality of an eternal hell. A, a righteous and holy God must judge sin. It's in his nature, because God is holy, because God is righteous, he must judge sin. When he told Adam and Eve back in the garden, the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. God couldn't back off on that. You know, when Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit, God couldn't say, well, we'll we'll have a do-over here. We'll we'll give you a second chance. We'll give you a second chance, and and I'll just forget about it. God couldn't do that. He's absolutely righteous. And if God says he's going to do something, he must do it. Our God cannot lie. Our God cannot go back on a promise. Our God God cannot go back on a threat. If God threatens that he will do something to us, if we do such and such, God has to keep that because that's, that's in his character. That's who he is. There's some things that God can't do. And one of the things he can't do, ever do, is to violate his own 
character. He can't do it. There, there has to be a price paid for sin. And, and in the case of Adam and Eve, in order for them to be able to have a relationship with God, and that, that idea of death always involves separation. Physical death is separation of the soul from the, from the body. Spiritual death is separation from, from God. And, and that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They, they, they began to die physically, and that didn't run its course for quite a while after that, but they also experienced spiritual death the moment that they fell, the moment that they ate that fruit they weren't to eat, the moment they rebelled against God. And in fact, when, when God comes looking for Adam in the garden, what's Adam doing? He's hiding from him, trying to run away from God. Why? Because there's a separation there. That's what you and I are born with, with that spiritual separation from God. We're all born dead in trespasses and sin. Why do we sin and fall short of the glory of God? We do that because we're sinners. We're sinners by nature and by, by choice. And, and so we find that that one of the things that God does then to, to provide a covering for their sin and to provide for them to be able to continue to have fellowship with him is some animals died. If, if you remember, what Adam and Eve tried to do to cover it up? Pick some fig leaves. I'm glad we don't wear fig leaves, especially here in Michigan on a day like that. They just wouldn't, they, they wouldn't do the job. But God provided a covering and... and in order for that animal skin to be provided for them, and I kind of think it was probably wool. I kind of think there were probably some lambs that died in order to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. There was blood shed. There was the death of a substitute. And they were able to continue to have a relationship with God. But God can't just, God can't just forget about sin. His, his wrath has to be satisfied. Uh, his wrath has to be appeased, his wrath against our sin. And we have an example in the Old Testament. In fact, this word propitiation in the, in the Greek, it's hilarion, hilariaton is the fifth term. And we find that very term used in the Greek version of the Old Testament for mercy seat. It's the mercy, you know what the mercy seat was? The mercy seat was the covering on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, you had the tablets of the law. And on top of the, the Ark of the Covenant, you had this mercy seat. It was made of gold. And, and above that, you had the, the cherubim and their wings touched above it and everything. And, and we find that mercy seat was a very special place. Because according to Leviticus chapter 16, once a year, the Jews observed what they called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And on that day, there were two goats that were brought in. And the, the high priest put his hands on, on the head of the one goat. And then he drove that goat out away from the camp, drove it out into the wilderness. The second goat, he would put his hands on that goat. And this is all a picture of sin being transferred to these animals. He would put his head on the second goat, and then he would slit its throat. And he'd pour out the blood of that, that goat, and he would offer he would offer the, that goat as a sacrifice and, and he, after offering a sacrifice for himself as the high priest for his own sin, the high priest on that one day of the year on that day of atonement, he would take the, the blood from that, that second goat, the one that was killed and he would take that blood in and he would pour it out 
and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And as he did that, the sins of the Jewish nation were covered over for another year until the next day of atonement, and then that process was repeated. And there, when that blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, judgment would meet grace. Holiness would meet mercy. And, And the people would be forgiven for another. There was a propitiation made. God's wrath, God's wrath against sin was satisfied for another year. Say, so, well, what was so special about those goats? How could killing a goat and, and putting that goat's blood on the mercy seat, how could, how could that do anything? How could sending that other scapegoat away and sending it out of the wood? That was a picture of, of the sins being sent away, like God removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. How could killing that goat do anything? Well, you know what? In and of itself... It couldn't do anything. It could only accomplish something, number one, because God said do it. God said do this, and if you do it, I will cover your sins for another year. And the other reason why it accomplished something is because those goats were all looking forward to another sacrifice that was going to be made. You know what that was? That was the sacrifice of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our propitiation, our our mercy seat. And and the blood of Christ is poured out, and because of that, our sins aren't just washed away for a year, and then that process has to be repeated. How long are our sins washed away for? Forever and ever and ever. And when does Jesus have to die again? He doesn't. You read the book of Hebrews, one time, once for all. Christ died in our place. And although those, those animals that were sacrificed in the Old Testament, their blood was shed, they're all looking forward to the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our propitiation. God's wrath against our sin is satisfied because Christ already paid the penalty for you and me. We don't have to pay the penalty. Does that excite you? Aren't you glad? Think about all the rotten, miserable things you've done in your life. Think about all those mean, horrible thoughts that you've had about somebody. Think about that driver that pulled out in front of you yesterday and what you wished for that person. You're forgiven. It's washed away. It's cleansed. Why? Because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God that should have been poured out on you and poured out on me. We find also that he's our example. And he serves as our propitiation by shedding his blood as we put our faith and our trust in him. It's the blood of Jesus that is essential for redemption and propitiation. Verse 25, whom God set forth to be a propitiation. How? By his blood. Shed his blood there on the cross of Calvary. And then through faith. We, how, how does that propitiation benefit us in any way? As we put our faith in Christ. His blood is sufficient to wash away the sins of all men and satisfy the wrath of God on, the, on behalf of all men. But there's one thing you and I are required to do, and that's put our faith in Christ. The only way we could ever pay the debt of our sins is spend eternity in hell separated from God. But Christ did that in a matter of hours on the cross of Calvary, and we are we're commanded in Scripture 
to put our faith in him and to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And, and something great happens as a result of this. We find that there's great significance in the way that God justifies us. It says in verse 26, God does all this to demonstrate, oh, excuse me, first of all, back up into verse 25. It says, as he does this, makes Christ our propitiation. It's to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We find the crucifixion of Christ had, had benefits in two areas. You realize the crucifixion benefits God? It shows him to be righteous. For thousands of years before the cross, God had passed over sin. He had, you know, God could have been perfectly righteous and just, and, and that the first time anybody sinned, he just wiped them out. Would God have been righteous in doing that? Would God have been righteous and just in doing that in your life, in my life? I'm sure glad he didn't do it that way. But, but God would have been perfectly righteous and just in condemning sin in anyone as soon as they sinned the first time. Lightning bolts from heaven all over the place when people sin. We, we would have deserved that. He would have been perfectly righteous and just if he'd have shot a uh, a lightning bolt from glory and struck Adam and Eve dead the moment they ate of that forbidden fruit. Well, would God have been righteous and holy in doing that? He had warned them, right? When you eat that fruit, you, the, the, that day you will die. Uh, how would that have affected you and me? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. But, but all those people in the Old Testament before the cross... God passed over their sin. You know, the, the blood of bulls and goats doesn't wash away sin. We find that's stated in Scripture, don't we? It, it doesn't do it. How can an animal, a substitute, dying in a person's place, how could that take care of anybody's sin? How can our sin, really be any man's sin, be transferred to an animal? It can't. It can't. So God was passing over the sins of all those people who died before Christ died on the cross. Abraham, Moses, Isaac, and all those people who were in glory, basically, they were there on credit. They were there on credit. God passed over their sin. And we just said, God's righteous. God's holy. He can't just sweep sin under the rug. He can't just forget about it. So when Jesus dies, what happens? God shows himself righteous. Because when, he, when Jesus died, God judged sin, didn't he? That's what the cross is all about. And the blood of Jesus can wash away sins. Because he's the sinless son of God. He's the propitiation for our sin. He can provide us redemption he can provide us justification. And, and God shows himself to be righteous because he made the payment. You guys know how credit works, don't you? You go get something in a store and you show them a piece of plastic. 
what's that piece of plastic worth? You swipe it through a machine, and now you stick the chip in there in the right place. What's that piece of plastic worth? Nothing. Nothing. If you're a merchant, why do you want to even accept that piece of plastic from somebody? Well, you want to take that piece of plastic because what it does, it indicates there's going to be a payment made. There'll be a payment made. You need to realize that when you use that piece of plastic, that, that's not all that there is. You, know, you, you use that piece of plastic and then, what, 28 days down the road or whatever, you get a piece of paper in the mail. And it says you owe $25 or whatever it is whatever you charged on, on that credit card. The, the credit card is an indication of payment to come. You know what all those animals in the Old Testament were? They were all promises of payment to come. One day there's going to be a payment. One day there's going to be a payment. I think of Abraham. Remember when he took Isaac up on the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice? And Isaac says, what about the sacrifice? And, Isaac, and Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide. And lo and behold, he, he's ready to take Isaac's life and offer him as a sacrifice. And there's a ram caught in the thicket. And Isaac's released and the ram's offered as a sacrifice. And, and remember what Abraham called that place? He called it Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And you know what that ram was a testimony? There was going to be a payment made. The, the, all those the, the lambs that died on Passover, they were testimony. There was going to be a payment made. Those animals that died so Adam and Eve could have skins, their testimony that payment's going to be made. All those animals that were, were sacrificed all through the days of the Old Testament, they're all testimony of the fact they're like a credit card, promising one day there's going to be a payment made. Well, what happens if when you've used that credit card and you get that, that piece of paper in the mail, what happens if you don't make that payment? You're a deadbeat. You know, you're, you're, you're a freeloader. You're a cheat. You're a fraud because you're not doing what you said you would do. Well, our God's not a fraud. Our God's not a cheat. Our God is righteous. Our God is just. Our God is holy. And you know what he did? He made the payment. And that payment is in Jesus. He made the payment on our behalf. He forbore with all those sins, of all those that came before Christ died, passed them over. But God demonstrates his righteousness through the cross of Jesus Christ because he punished our sins in Jesus. So in one, in one sense, the, the crucifixion of Christ, the cross, demonstrates the righteousness of God. God kept his word. He judged sin in the most awesome and horrible way that could be imagined. And he did it, and he offers us justification. He offers us redemption. He offers to make what Jesus did on our behalf redemption. And why did he do all that? Because of grace. He justifies us freely. There's no reason for us to be justified. We can't pay any price to be justified. And, and the second thing that stands out in justification, God shows himself to be righteous, but then praise God, 
he declares sinners righteous. You qualify for that? Are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. I needed to be declared righteous. I need to be pronounced righteous. And God then is, is not only shows himself just, but he is the justifier of who? Of the one who has faith in Christ. The payment's sufficient for all, but it's effective only for those who believe, only for those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are some great verses, aren't they? Let me encourage you. When you think of Romans 3.23, please don't stop there. Keep rolling into, into verse 24. And, and if you share that verse 23 with somebody you're trying to share the gospel with, you can move right on into verse 24 and show them how even though we've all sinned and come, continually come short of the glory of God, we can be justified freely by God's grace. How? Through redemption, by being set free, a redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then he makes Christ also our propitiation. And through this, God shows himself to be righteous, and he's able to justify those who will believe. Isn't it great to be justified freely? Are you excited about that this morning at all? What a wonderful thrill to be justified freely because of what God's done for us. To be redeemed by Christ's blood. He shed his blood so I could be set free and have Jesus Christ as the propitiation, the satisfactory payment price for my sins, your sins. You can pay for your own sins, but it's going to take you all of eternity in hell to do it. Great to be justified, redeemed, to have God propitiated on our behalf. And, and w- when we look at those things, it's all the work of God. We don't justify ourselves. We don't redeem ourselves. We don't pay our own price unless we spend eternity in hell. But it's all of grace. It's all the work of God for undeserving sinners. Let me ask you this morning, have you accepted this free justification by placing your faith in Christ alone? If you have, would you say amen? Man, I'm worried. If you have, would you say amen? It's great to be justified, isn't it? Great to be redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If you're not here, if you're here and don't know Christ, I encourage you. Put your trust in Him this morning. Are you grateful to be justified freely? You know, no matter what else goes wrong in your life this week, if you know Christ, you're justified freely. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's something you can hang on to. No matter what, I'm justified. No matter what, I'm redeemed. No matter what, Christ has propitiated my sin by satisfying God's, the demands of the, of the law against me. Are you grateful to be justified freely? Heavenly Father, give us an appreciation for what you've done for us. Help us to be so grateful, so appreciative that we we just praise you, we live for you, we we strive to glorify you, we want to make our lives be used by you. And and Father, we also want to tell other people, uh, the the, the neighbors, the friends, people in our family, Lord, that they're sinners that have come sinned and come, they've fallen short of the glory of God. 
They need to be justified freely. They can be justified freely, but only if they put their trust in Christ. God, help us to take the gospel, to appreciate it, and to share it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together?